Welcome. We are the Projectile Lunchcast, a group of friends with a combined professional video games industry experience of over 20 years. More importantly, we have collectively been discussing video games for close to a century, including during most of our lunch breaks. People forced to witness these arguments kept telling us to just get a room and make a podcast. So that's what we did. We don't think they had any idea what they were bargaining for, yet here we are. And we couldn't be more excited to have you, dear listener, join us on this adventure. everybody and welcome back to yet another episode of the Projectile Launchcast. This one in fact being episode 60 already. My name is Marcel. I'm as always delighted to have all of you potential ostensible listeners with us today and I am even more delighted as always and I'm contractually obliged to say that I'm delighted to be here with you, Basti. We are still doing this, right? We're still doing it. We reached a big 6-0. Uh, we're still doing this. Um, unfortunately, we had to, due to creative differences on on the merit of pre-ordering several next-gen gen, gen consoles at the same time. Uh, we had to say goodbye to last week's guest, uh, Randy? I, I, I completely Rudolph. forgot. It like, was something with R, Rudolph. Rudolph, the, the red-nosed American. It might or might not be related to some weird stuff he said about Xbox, and I hear he got some, some letters and weird calls from... Uh, some 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 people in corporate suits, and then he just uh, got dragged into a car and just vanished. Weird, mysterious. Anyways, uh, you know, maybe maybe he will show up in a future episode. Um, maybe not. We'll see. You know, if his if his stance on on your uh, obsessive pre-ordering of next-gen consoles changes or not. Oh, by the way, we'll I managed see. to pre-order both. Success. Congratulations. But we're gonna get to that later. So please, no 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 takey away topic. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, we thought, you know, like for the last uh, couple episodes, I believe, I cannot, you know, it's, look, 2020 is a lot. I barely remember what I talked about yesterday, yet again, like, let, let alone what I talked about a week ago. But I believe we have in the past, you know, talked about like, um, we, we've done a couple episodes now where we talked about, you know, very specific, limited topics. So we had the, the PlayStation Showcase, we had the um, Xbox, uh, well, not, not the Xbox Show but the announcement of the pricing and the date for the Xboxes and, of course, the announcement of the Xbox Series S. And before that, we had Opening Night Live with our... Uh, shit, I was going to say with our Lord and Savior, but I forgot the name. What's the name of the even el- evil elven god in Dragon Age? We even have him on the thumbnail. What's his name? Solus. Solus. Yes, Solus. But I have to say, like, Varric is, to be honest, like, you know, Bioware has had, like, a ton of great uh, party members over the years. But, like, Varric is one of my favorites. Like, because I, really, I can really relate to Varric. You know, like, he, he speaks... The way he he um, always you know makes himself sound greater than he maybe is and he's still being great that somehow really speaks to me. You're also not the tallest. Uh, true, you know I, I I cannot compete with the chest hair unfortunately. But um, also say receive roguish like class a little bit sneaky in the sneaky side backstabby yeah yeah it sounds about sounds about right. Exactly and like this is my aspiration one day I'm also gonna be like a small dwarvy chest hairy backstabby roguey person until then i guess i'll keep making this show with you um so yeah today we thought you know we're gonna do a little bit of a more like general news roundup because holy shit like there's been a lot of um there's been a lot of news happening recently uh and 
the first thing that caught my eye is that because it's something that like has thankfully seemingly become a little bit rarer that you know multiplayer games falter very very quickly but unfortunately it was announced last week that um this integration the new game as it was promoted from the father of master chief uh, from v1 interactive and the private division uh, the multiplayer service would be shutting down next month, uh, which is especially notable because the game only launched in June. So um, five months to to sunset, you know, to use my one of my favorite uh, games industry terms, uh, to sunset the multiplayer aspect of the game. That is fairly fairly quick. Yeah, like you know, absolutely to, to throw in the towel, the towel that quickly, and it's it's a shame as well. I don't know, man. I think <sighs> multiplayer games just have a hard time. I mean. With uh, so many free-to-play variants and the the games, like free-to-play multiplayer games were big a couple of years ago, but I have the feeling that they're just like the size of everything just blew out of proportion. And it's really, really, really hard to find your niche, to have something uh, where, where people stick to stick to your concept, to your game for a longer while. Especially nowadays where people get so easily distracted or have the just really huge games to, to stick to for a long time with battle passes and all that kind of like stuff. I think when it comes to medium-sized or medium-budgeted games, maybe it's better, to be honest, to, to concentrate on either an interesting co-op if you want to have multiplayer or a single-player game. I have the feeling it's a really hard time to get into the multiplayer um, space when you're not, not having the, the big budget or all of a sudden are able to catch a lightning in a bottle. First of all, please warn me before you say Battle Pass, because that is, to me, as you know, like highly arousing. And I was prepared <laughs> to hear you say Battle Pass. And You're part of the problem. Oh, I, 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 I will say that I'm absolutely, when it comes to games as a service, and like people sticking to one game and being hesitant to try new stuff, I'm absolutely 100% part of the problem. That is absolutely correct. Um, but yeah, so so with this game specifically, I mean, I, you know, after they announced that, I was curious and was like, okay, I think there's like three multiplayer achievements. I'm currently playing. I was at the time when they announced multiplayer is being shut down. I was playing the game, the single player, and also maybe you know, like in, in terms of, um, in terms of like seeing how successful or not the game was, um, I got a key for like a Steam key, and like this is a game that normally costs forty dollars. I got a key for free from Alienware Arena as a promo thing. Two mm -hmm. months or so after launch, you know, which is, it's, you know, uh, a, a sign, I guess, you know, that uh, maybe things haven't gone all too well. Um, but yeah, so I saw there were like three multiplayer achievements as I was playing the game. I thought, okay, you know, why why not try to get it? Um, and it took me 15 minutes to find a second player on the weekend. Oof. I just let it running while I, you know, like tidy up the room. And that guy then quit after two minutes, which was nice because, like, due to him quitting, I got the achievement for winning a match, which which otherwise I probably would not have gotten. So thank you, random person who got bored. But yeah, the multiplayer is is pretty much dead. It's fair to say. Mm. And um, yeah, it's a shame. But also, I have to say, you no, know, I, I I mean, you know me, I'm I'm a huge Bungie fanboy. Obviously, here, you know, it's a new game from the master, from the father of Master Chief, from the guy who came up with the suit design. Uh, I I was, you know, at least curious about it. And it's it's not a great game. I, I haven't played it, but from the reviews um, I've seen, I have the feeling that if you would have cut the, uh, if they would have cut the, the multiplayer part and would put the budget they used for the multiplayer part, for the single player part, do you think it would have been a better game or at the end? Like, would it, ha would it have been uh, like more beneficial for them to concentrate on the single player and just polish that and make that a little bit better? I mean... It could be. So, like, my, my main fault... So, I mean, the, the, the core gameplay loop, it's it's unusual 
but like you know it's it's not so unusual that it makes you think oh my god like i have to play you know this is this is amazing it's like okay this is something different but it's not necessarily better mm-hmm. than you like a normal shooter so um but the core gameplay loop is fun the graphics are okay you know upgrading units is okay uh, what is really weird to me is like the story and the characters it feels very much like a a early 360 generation game for just from the tone and actually i played early this year i played on the dangerous mm-hmm. which came out late on the original xbox and it kind of like it reminds me a little bit of that it also has like one of the weirdest looking human character models i've seen in a in a big game you know semi big game from a big publisher in a very long time like something is super off with that and also with the accent like, have you ever had the situation where, like, you hear the voice actually speak, and like every second sentence you think, like, that sounds like a French accent? No, now it sounds Dutch. Now it sounds Scandinavian. Ah, okay. Like, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's very weird. It's like I'm not sure which accent. Like, what, what, what is this trying to be? Um, and there, so, yeah, there probably, are actually not that many that... human characters in the game, right? So far, she's the only one I've seen yeah. because, like, they're all mm. like, you know, uh, the, the, the story is essentially like, yeah. is that people's minds are integrated into robots uh, some people do it uh, voluntarily others do it f- are, are forced to you know, like are forcibly integrated um and yeah she's just the only female character and it's something is very off about that model and that that but yeah i think probably it would have been better if it was just single player but then again you know uh, we also know that uh, a, a lot of people when looking for value it's like oh it doesn't have and yeah that is also something i always found very weird you know, where people like, oh, um, if this game doesn't have single player and multiplayer both, you know, it, it doesn't have, there's there's not enough value there. But like, then they never play the multiplayer. It's like, I just expect to have it if I pay for it, but I'm, I have no plan of using it. It feels mm-hmm. like one of those scenarios. But what I found more interesting about that and why I brought this up today, and because as I mentioned, it's, it's maybe not the biggest game in the world, um, is that it is, of course, one of the, the games from Private Division. So I think it was like two or so years ago that... Um, 2K Games announced a new publishing label called Private Division, which was going to be there working with independent studios as, you know, like the, the mid-tier, like yeah. the double A games, which um, were like a little bit vanishing. And they said, OK, we want to work like with some experienced developers that have gone India so to bring out their independent games. And just looking at like how that has been unfolding, I have to say, unfortunately, I absolutely love the idea. I thought it was great to do that, but it doesn't seem to have gone too well so far. I mean, the, the standout is The Outer Worlds by Obsidian, which I think both of us had it like in our top three or so yeah. uh, favorite games from last year, or like at least top five. I know for me it was number two or three. Not I think it was two, two or three for me as well, yeah. So yeah, Outer Worlds is great. I want to play the DLC, but probably wait until both of them are out so I can play them in one go. Uh, so that was great. It also sold very above expectations. Um, but of course, as we know, like between them making the deal with Obsidian and the other worlds coming out, Obsidian was acquired by your Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. uh, Phil Spencer, and Xbox. So, you know, that is probably a partnership that's out. Like, that's a one-off. They also uh, announced Kerbal Space Program 2 uh, at last year's Gamescom opening night live. And there has been a lot of drama around that this year because it seems that suddenly... Uh, private division for once they told the external studio that they're working with that they no longer going to work with them but at the same time they try to poach a lot of the employees and said like hey we're setting up a new our own new studio and we want you to keep working on the game interesting Which, i missed that yeah i think that was a a story naturally from jason schreier um, i see i can't remember if it was one of his last kotaku stories or one of his first ones after switching to where's it now bloomberg i think it's bloomberg, yeah bloomberg right? Um, so yeah, that was definitely, uh, 
you know, however, however, what reasons there are, that of course sounds like a little bit shitty. Like on the one hand, say we no longer work with our partner studio, but also want to poach all of their employees. Um, so yeah, big big question mark there, and big question mark of course, what does that mean for Kerbal Space Program Two? When is it going to come out? Are they going to change stuff or so? Um, then another game, like one of their early uh, big announcements, was that they're working with uh, Patrice Desier the uh, father of Assassin's Creed on his new game Ancestors, the Humankind Odyssey, uh, which came out last year, last year Christmas. I think sales-wise it flopped pretty hard, seemingly, unfortunately, and also it sits at 67 Metacritic. Um, then, as we mentioned, we had Disintegration, another very experienced gentleman, uh, Marcus Leto, uh, who worked for many, many years at Bungie and set up his new studio. Uh, yeah, disintegration again, seemingly a sales flop, unfortunately, and also 63% open critic. And then there was Project White uh, from what's his name, David Gold, Goldfarb, no uh, who was the lead designer on Bad Company 2. So they set up a, a studio. They announced like this fantasy horror action game called Project White, but like shortly after announcing a partnership with the private division, first they parted ways with them, and also then this year they canceled that game outright. So, um, yeah, from the first wave of games they announced uh, for Private Division, uh, essentially one was cancelled, two were flops, and one was amazing. So that is, of course, a, a little bit of a disappointment there. Um, they no, are, however... the best track record. Yeah, they have, however, like, in the second wave of games they've announced, like, they're publishing the next game from Moon Studios, uh, the people behind the Ori series uh, from the guys, what's uh, Roll7? I think they made Oli Oli. Mm -hmm. So um it yeah like they it seems like also this time around they they are working for like you know the second wave like with studios that actually have a good track record rather than like you know with individual people who made great games in the past and now have set up their own studios which was seemed to be the focus of um of the first kind of wave you know, like again like we had a ex Bungie guy ex Assassin's Creed guy ex Dice guy setting up new studios with their new games and that didn't seem to work out so well I mean, you had that so many times in the last couple of years that uh, from... Oh, we're going to have more of that later this episode. Oh. Oh. But yeah, just I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you just pointing out. So like, say what you were going to say. Yeah, we had it so many times from, from uh, people founding uh, their own new studios, publishing deals to, up to Kickstarters, where let's say the old guard failed us in some way or another. But, yeah, there um, was also... Like uh, Patrick Sutherland also set up a new studio, right? Like mm -hmm. two years or so ago mm -hmm. that we haven't heard anything from yet. Um, but it should also be interesting. But yes, uh, what a coincidence, Basti. It's like you are you are trying to compete for my title of Master of Segways because you just talked about the old guard. And uh, this this week, one of the very old guards of, of game development, game design greats announced his retirement from the industry. Tell us about that. Mr. I have no hands. Uh, I have no arms, but I must arms. scream. Yes, <laughs> Michel Ansel. Uh, yeah, it certainly seemed like, you know, from the uh, from reactions to people of people out there, they were surprised. So that uh, Michel Ansel, who, as a reminder, if you don't know it, um, he has, I think like he was, yeah, like at, at Ubisoft from day one, essentially. So for, for 30 years, and he's the, the father and creator of Rayman of the Raving Rabbits and of Beyond Good and Evil. He also made the King Kong game with Peter Jackson. Uh, he has announced his retirement from the games industry and he's now focusing on his other passion, uh, which is working with a wildlife sanctuary. I like when they're doing that kind of like stuff. When Honestly, just say, like, I'm know, out, I do something good, I do something for nature or for society or something and not like uh, 
Um, other people like okay i'm just like uh, spending the rest of my non-gaming career with giving interviews about how shitty the games industry is or stuff like that i like that or shitting on minorities like not mm-hmm. mm. how do you say um fuck that guy Oh, I yeah, especially with the... like, because i always like even when he was i always disliked notch for like the hat so like when he turned out to be a very terrible person i kind of felt redeemed and always disliking him and i told myself you know I didn't just dislike. I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't a very, a very superficial person that just dislikes him for the head. Deep down, I knew he was terrible, and I, I'm, I'm a visionary. It's weird, right? I mean, how, how, especially the early wave of of uh, indie development, uh, we're sitting so much on a high horse talking about the AAA industry and how horrible that is, and how horrible people work in the AAA industry, and uh, some of them turned out to be a scum. I mean, it it is also. Um, it is also frequently very sad to see when people, you know, like like uh, like big names from like the '90s, early 2000s, or from the games industry, um, turn out to you know um, how to put this, not be the biggest fans of diversity or yeah. you know women in games or so. Uh, it's always a bit disappointing. On the other hand, of course, it's always nice to you know see um, like I'm I'm still a huge fan of of the power couple that is John and Brenda Romero, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, um, the, the the greatest thing about Romero is um, the kind of shirts he wears. Like I remember when I saw him um, at Making Games Munich or something. Like that shirt was fabulous. Like the the weirdest Hawaiian seventies um, um, trippy shirt you can imagine. And then having his long hair and stuff, he's he's quite quite someone. You can pull that off. Yeah, absolutely. Like John Romero can pull that shit off. So yeah, um, uh, au revoir, Michel Ossel. Uh, all the best to you and the wild animals. Um, it is, however, like uh, I personally, I have to say, uh, I, I, f I like this in the sense of like it feels, as we just mentioned, not just like for you know being uh, being backwards in terms of you know like uh, changes to society or so. It also feels like sometimes like there are some former gaming greats. Um, who maybe you know like missed their opportunity to, to you know get get out while while they were on top. You know we we sometimes see kickstarters or so and like you know them making spiritual sorry spiritual successes to previous great games that nobody yeah. seemingly cares about anymore. So like it's it's always a little bit sad. You know it's, it's like the same thing with like you know a once fantastic rock band when suddenly they do you know like exactly yeah. we're we're playing at the opening of a new Walmart store and shit like that. I had a, such an experience with uh, Warren Spector to be honest and I hope that Ken Levine after he created his own studio ages ago will just never come back. It's like just just don't. It's okay. It's okay. Keep your keep your legacy in in good spirit. Don't ruin it. Also like it's not only that. I think we have especially let's say the first and second generation of big gaming developers is like this kind of weird perception of the superstars and I mean I think by now we're in episode 60 you all know my opinion about Kojima so so I think he's an absolutely like creative might be a creative mastermind but I think it's also t about time for maybe the old people passing the torch give room for new people um also to acknowledge more that games are a big team effort and that even from the creative process and the creative vision of a game, it's usually not only a brainchild of one person. I mean, many of the former superstar and old guard of game developers come from companies like when they made their big games, they were like five to 10 to 15 people in a garage or something. But the way 
video games are developed nowadays are completely different. And I think this is also why maybe some of them turned out to be a little bit spoiled because they were like in that kind of like, hey, my, my whole life I was a super rock star and I was giving interviews to the Forbes magazine and I, I, I just don't like that. For me, video games, especially nowadays, are a team effort and I think we should appreciate more the work of everyone involved, not always put like one person in the big spotlight, especially when they when they are misogynist or something. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I still have to say, like, one time when I was at GDC, I was just, like, walking back to my hotel, you know, in the middle of a San Francisco street, and uh, John Carmack walked past me. I was like, holy shit, it's John Carmack. No, I, I, I get you. I get you. 3D graphics and shooters and shotguns. Like, I, I don't want to I don't want to play down the, the, the importance of their work and stuff. And to be honest, if I see a lot of them, like, at trade fairs or something, this is also something where like, oh, I would love to have a chat with 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 uh, them. Like, I totally agree with that one. I think more like in the, in the public public awareness. Like, I think the old veteran devs should focus more on passing on their knowledge via trade fairs, GDC, and all the kind of like stuff to other people, not um, being in the spotlight again. Especially with the danger of, I mean, see Cliffy B in his latest work, etc. Um, there is a point you won't make another most likely won't make another hit which um will be better than anything you did before so there is only there's most most of the time it's only a downhill um race you're doing so you're not doing yourself any favor and again i think you know it's also like sometimes the thing um like we just drew, drew for example the comparison to rock bands or so um of course you know, um, if if you like, in other forms of entertainment, if you're a star, you probably made a lot more money. You know, like to, to towards retirement. I mean, there are of course exceptions. Like we know, like the original It guys um, probably did okay. You know, to a point where like yeah. um, I remember like reading Masters of Doom, which is a fantastic book. I recommend to anyone who's interested in that stuff. Um, where after like the release of Doom, like John Carmack said, like you know, in just a a random you know. Uh, sh- played shirt and uh, you know, his his torn jeans and stuff. He rolled into a Porsche dealership and like the guys thought like is this guy gonna rob us or something? He just like dropped however many tens of thousands of dollars like in cash and was like, I want to buy a car to make so, yeah. my bitch. No, that was the other John. That's true. This was Carmack. Also, I mean, one thing maybe I would love to see. Like uh, old game dev superstar, um, a super band, super band consisting of like uh, the who is who of five like super super huge names in the games industry, just coming together to create one indie game or something, or making one Kickstarter. Just like the whole marketing, all this kind of like stuff is just like as as you would have uh, with a with a uh, super band. Who would be in your game dev super band, Marcel? Uh, like like you were talking nineties or something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Just like a reunion of um, old game developers coming together, all famous, to just make one big thing, one last trip together, and creating one last game before they retire. I mean, this is probably not a surprise to anybody who's ever listened to this, but of course, you know, in my personal rock star pantheon, uh, there's like t- seats at a, at a, you know head of the table are reserved for Todd Howard and uh, Sam Lake. But like maybe they don't fit your criteria because of course I don't want them to make one more game. I want these guys to make many more games. Um, really old school stuff. So again, like as I said, um, I, I have a, a soft spot for uh, John Romero. Like mm-hmm. people obviously love to give him shit for like you know the uh, gonna make you his bitch Daikatana at. 
but um, seems like a nice enough guy. Um, I always love the the Bioware doctors, Ray and Greg. Yeah, absolutely. There is eight uh, uh, you know, some some Blizzard people, but again, maybe we're going to talk about that later in the show. Um, who else was there? What happened to American McGee? He just completely vanished. No, no, he's still huh? he he's still doing something on Kickstarter. I think like he did ah, three okay. different Kickstarters related to Alice. And, uh, no, I think now he's doing an Indiegogo or a Patreon or something. The last thing I knew for from him was Alice related still Alice movie thing where he created this like short movie thing which should stand in as a pitch for big uh, movie production companies to make like a full feature film out of uh, the the Alice his Alice franchise so to speak. Huh. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of sad that like he really really got stuck on that. Um, even yeah. though like both of the Alice games were fun, and I have to say, um, the the ending of what was the second one, Madness Re- Alice Madness yeah. Returns, I think it was called. The, that ending was like one of the biggest plot twists ever to me in the terms of like, okay, this is not a topic I would have ever expected to see tackled in a in a uh, you know triple A shooter, because it was about child abuse. Oh, yeah. It was like okay, this is okay. I didn't see that one coming. And they were really fun games. I loved them, but maybe, like, yeah, like we mentioned before, like maybe this is one of those cases where I've got to say, look, American, you made two great games. People love it. Maybe it's time to move on from Alice. Yeah. Also, that reminds me because that... Because, like, this... once you did two Kickstarters or something, like, it didn't really work out, and, you know, maybe that's a sign somewhere. Yeah. Even though, again, they were great games. No no contest there. Oh, man. I missed the 360 P3 time when even publishers like EA were creating really interesting new IPs and games and trying stuff out it's like oh yeah let's publish that weird thing oh good times it's always funny to me when people like used to say oh you know like big companies don't try new stuff like uh, I think the 360 generation EA might have been one of the companies that had the most new IP yeah absolutely out, of, out from anyone honestly um, but yeah you know, we, we, we diverted uh, again au revoir Monsieur Ancel and uh, good luck with I don't I don't know you know where that wildlife reservoir is um, whether it's wolves or bears or lions or something uh, I just hope he has a kick ass time because yeah. I'm you know, honestly uh, I, I would love to be one time you know uh, be at the point where I say like I made enough money I'm just gonna live now with, with, with great fuzzy animals I mean you talked about Greg he's traveling around the world making making uh, people aware of uh, wildlife preservation with his like really stunning photos and stuff so maybe you can team up I thought Greg is doing craft beer Ah the other one Ray Ray thank you Sorry Greg and Ray Sorry Dr Love you the dynamic doctor duo Um do you sometimes wonder, Basti, if people listen to our stuff and then, like, for half of what we're talking, like, I have no clue what the fuck these guys are talking about. You know, like, we treat, we're, like, they, they listen to us as some kind of novelty. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, well, I don't know what these guys are talking about, but I guess it's entertaining, like, listening to the ravings of a lunatic. Maybe for some people it's really entertaining um, to listen to us with because they think, oh, these people try really hard to pretend sound like, to yeah, pretend yeah. to have a clue about stuff going on in the games industry. One day they're going to find out we're just imposters. Like, I, I am the imposter syndrome personified. We're just YouTubers. <laughs> In fact, we're just YouTubers with opinions. <laughs> well, opinions we do have. Um, what else do we have here? Yes, Basti, we talked about it earlier. Tell us about the experience of pre-ordering an Xbox Series S and or X. It was a smooth... Was it li- better than PlayStation? It was smooth you? like a shark. Like Smooth like a... Wait, a, a shark is smooth, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Except those There's Greenland sharks, like things. those guys look. Have you seen those? Super smooth. 
Have you seen like those 500, 500 year old fucking sharks? Yeah. Holy shit, that's terrifying, man. That's um, a good reason. One more good reason not to go into the ocean right there. Um, to be honest, not gonna lie, my experience with the PS5 was uh, smoother. Because when the PS5 got surprise uh, dropped on Amazon, I was just like, whoa, what the fuck? Okay, let's click Amazon uh, shopping cart, proceed to checkout. Thank you. While I think there it was really a case of being lucky, right? If you yeah, were yeah. on Twitter at the right time when people talked about it, you were like, yep, got this. And for the Xbox, I um, uh, the boss uh, this week when I visited my mom's place, so I was just at breakfast putting my, my big tablet on the desk. She was like, what are you doing? It's like, I have to do something really, really important because it's almost nine, nine o'clock. So please don't disturb me. I need to get this. And I clicked on Amazon, refreshed it right at the moment when the pre-orders were, was about to start. And the Amazon server, or not the server, but the, the actual product page was not reachable for at least 20 minutes. So I must say, I, 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 have, about that, yes. I haven't checked other stores because for me, I just wanted to have both of my Amazon um, order list because it's just easier for me to track and remember and all this kind of like stuff to just click one one order list. So um, I heard better stories from the German uh, media market. But um, like there you have to pay right now. That's the difference as well. Yeah. Because I got my PS5 from them and like I had to pay straight away. Look, I get fucked over in November because I have to pay for the PS5, for the Xbox uh, Series X, and the big Cyberpunk Collector's Edition. So we'll be in debt and utterly broke in November. Also, you will you will still have to pay your monthly fee to me, so I don't release those pictures of you and uh, Richard dressed up as furries. Damn. But yeah, uh... should have thought about that before you did it. Before you dressed up as Sonic and Shadow the Hedgehog. Hmm. Gotta, Which gotta one go are you? Fast. Sonic, right? I'm the, I'm Richard the is so edgy. He, no, Richard is so edgy like he has to be. Come on. The American guy has to be, oh, look, I, I, I'm a hedgehog with a gun. Look how edgy I am. That's American true. to me. Kind of, kind of true. Kind of true. Kind of um, sad. But not, not for me, true. other than that, the, the like I hear a lot of like my friends uh, failed to, to pre-order an Xbox. I'm just now pretending. I'm not pretending that I have friends, but I'm pretending that my friends want an Xbox. Because uh, when you ask people, it's like, oh, everyone I know wants a PlayStation. Or maybe I'm just pretending to have friends uh, in general. But uh, I hit some some people had issues. Uh, for me, it was quite easy. But I think if you try to order an Xbox, maybe like one or two hours after the the pre-order went up, you were utterly fucked. Also, yeah, it was again just a couple of minutes. You still are able to put the Xbox and the Microsoft Store in your basket, but then I think you get notified that it's sold out when you go uh, actually to the checkout screen or something, which is also completely bullshit. They fucked me over last time. Like I pre-ordered, like the the day they started pre-orders of the uh, of the Xbox uh, One, which mm -hmm. I think was, I think it was like the night of my birthday, like right after E3, three, I pre-ordered via the Microsoft Store because I'm an idiot and I wanted to have the achievement on my account that I pre-ordered it. Mm. And then on, you know, uh, so, you know, I have, I haven't lived at home for, for many, many years now, but I still, for whatever reason, had my, you know, my credit card, like, uh, like the address was, was my home address, like with my parents at the time. And, um, so, you know, I was sitting at home, I had taken the day off sitting, you know, just waiting for my Xbox. I'm like, where the fuck is my Xbox? And then at some point my mom called like, Hey Marcel, like a big package arrived for you. Should I open it? It was like. No, all I care about is my Xbox. And then like two hours later, another arrived and something clicked. It was like, wait. 
a large package arrived, you say? You they failed. just switched. They just switched around the the delivery and the uh, invoice address and shipped it to my parents. I was like, "Thank you for nothing." Not Phil Spencer back then. Thank you, Don Metric. Fuckers. Dude, I tell you, because my um, my uh, what's the name for people who bring over the the, the package delivery service guy, right? So for the package home delivery. Uh, so the, 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 the package delivery guys here in my area are not going to blame them because I know like they're underpaid in, in broken stress environment, especially during COVID-19. But they're not very reliable, let's say. Like I had situations where um, they, even when I was the whole day at home, because where, where else should I go? Um, True. I got a card in my uh, post box which said like, okay, I could not like, uh, you were not at home, so I delivered. But you live on the top floor, right? Yeah. So I delivered the, the package to, and then the address field is empty and stuff like that. And like one time I had to, to go uh, down the whole street and went through various shops and asked if someone dropped a package. And they managed to drop a package on the other side of the street 50 meters away from my apartment in just a random ass shop surrounded by other shops and like what so if that stuff is not going to work for some reason and if I'm not getting my consoles on day one I'm going to be pissed I, I should maybe take a already. day off and just stare out of the window very angrily all day long but yeah it seems like the impression I got was that it was a little bit smoother than the than the PlayStation, but not by much so. But also the problem with with pre-orders is like, you know, it's a self-fulfilling thing of people like, I really want one, so I'm going to order three to make sure I get one of them if the others are cancelled. But then, of course, you know, that means that three are, are, are for now gone from the pre-orders. Like, that seems to be a thing you see a lot where people pre-order several because they're worried they're not going to get one. But then, of course, it means that somebody else isn't going to get one. You know, it's like the self-fulfilling cycle where... I, you know, I'm not clever enough to say how it should be done, but it really feels like there should be a better way to pre-order stuff. Yeah, I mean, you had um, the same with the with the Nvidia cards before that. So yeah, yeah, like, and then and then of course you got bots and stuff like that. So um, sculptors. It's it's uh, tricky times, but I'm glad that you managed to pre-order your Xbox busting. If any of you guys out there ever buy something 200 euro more expensive just uh, on eBay or something from a sculptor. Instead of waiting just a couple of weeks before that stuff uh, get gets restocked, screw you, you're part of the problem. Because with all that bots, there must be enough, like there must be an incredible amount of people actually buying that stuff overpriced bef at launch or before launch or shortly after launch. I don't get it. Seems that way. But yeah, um, moving on to uh, a, a big a big news. Oh no, sorry. Like there was one thing in between. There was a segue in between, you know, because we, we love and celebrate and cherish the heritage art form of segwaying, mm -hmm. or as it's called in French, segwayage. I have, by the way, no true, no clue if this is true or not. I just made that up. Perfect. Just for record. I just hope it's nothing offensive. Mm, I'm not sure about this. Um, so, of course, as uh, as anyone who has looked out the window or, you know, looked at the news in the past six months is aware, we're still in the year of of our our dread and, and uh, oppressor COVID. And so there is no BlizzCon this year, which normally takes place on the first weekend of November and is a, a, a holy day for my people. But there is no BlizzCon this year, so they have announced the amazingly named BlizzCon line for next February. Tell me that's not like one of the best puns ever, BlizzCon line. 
Mm. I had to explain to my fiance as well. Explain, please. Well, BlizzCon and also online, BlizzCon line. Oh, oh. It's amazing. I, I think... It's genius. As Thank I'm a you, German, Bobby. as I'm a German, I should chuckle. Okay, out. I can do it for you. Uh, BlitzCon line. Yeah, no, 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 I agree. Like, as a German, that should be exactly my kind of humor. That's uh, absolutely brilliant. Great. Yeah, good good stuff. Like, wow. Sehr, sehr gut, Robert Kotick, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is very funny. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, again, like, of course, that is something I am looking forward to, especially... So, here's the thing, right? Like, last year, they had a fantastic BlizzCon, um, mm-hmm. leaving aside certain political challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, with with announcing Overwatch 2, announcing Diablo 4, which we talked about at the time was amazing. Um, there has not been a single word about Overwatch 2 since, pretty much. Um, they said that like earlier this year, I think in March or so, they released Echo as the last uh, hero that is coming to to Overwatch 1. Uh, so I was still sure at the time, okay, and maybe that would have been the case minus COVID, I don't know. But I was sure that means that Overwatch 2 is coming out this holiday season because I could yeah. not figure that they would go a whole year without releasing a new a new hero for, for Overwatch. Um, which right now it looks to be the case. So that is, of course, a problem, uh, you know, because these these games live from, uh, you know, new content being injected into the meta game. Of course, we saw a new competitor arise this year with Valorant. Um, yeah, that was... Uh, that was very surprising. So I'm really hoping that you know when when BlizzCon line comes around, they're gonna announce that hopefully um, Overwatch 2 is gonna gonna release not not uh, too long afterwards because I still like playing Overwatch. I played a little bit of Overwatch over the past week to try to get the London Calling skin for Tracer from the event, and it's still it's still a very very good game I have to say. To be honest, maybe maybe this is a smart move. I mean. With um, I have no idea if that might be related to delays because of COVID, but if you think about the strong competition race and the focus on the consoles and with uh, this um, this fall, uh, aka this uh, holiday season with the two new consoles, maybe they also decided, yeah, I mean, Overwatch Two might have been great as a as a launch or a very close to launch title for the new consoles, but maybe we want to. Uh, generate more buzz and more market um, put more marketing in a time where we are not getting flooded with the, all the other news i don't know because i mean but on the other side overwatch 2 as a as a launch or close to launch title would have been great for the new consoles too so i don't know it's february 2 2021 right despite despite uh, yeah uh, despite all the challenges uh, i think that uh a, a, a new Blizzard game is still, regardless of what else is happening, you know, it's going to demand its attention and it's going to get its attention from people. Um, especially, like, it, it's always funny to me. So, yes, I've played a ton of Valorant. I think Valorant is an amazing game. I still think uh, Overwatch is an amazing game. But, like, you know, for all the people saying, oh, my God, Overwatch is dead or something, that game, so, like, what, like, between 50 and 60 million copies or something yeah, like yeah. that, which makes it one of the best-selling boxed products, you know, ever still. Uh so yeah, I'm I'm still fairly sure that Overwatch 2 is gonna do fine, and it's gonna be probably gonna be. No, I agree, game. absolutely. The only thing I'm really curious about is like how if they're still gonna have loot boxes in in the in the year of our Lord, 2021, because I think that's gonna be a hard sell maybe to certain governments. For you as a as a Blizzard fanboy, what are your other predictions for BlizzCon? BlizzCon Con line. I'm sorry. BlizzCon line. 
um, yeah, obviously uh, news about um, news about Overwatch 2, uh, an update on Diablo 4. Um, <laughs> normally I would have said they're going to announce a mobile game, but at this, I'm not sure if they dare to announce that at a BlizzCon I again or somewhere else. Um, but yeah, something mobile probably. And I mean, it, it might already be, let's see. Uh, yeah, normally, I mean, you would expect that it, it could be the, uh, no, it's probably going to be at Gamescom, like the announcement of the next WoW expansion. So Shadowlands is out in October. They normally come out on a two-year schedule. So probably I would expect, well, yeah, either I would have said, you know, Gamescom or BlizzCon 2021 is the announcement of the next expansion. But if you have BlizzCon line in February, do are you going to have like a normal BlizzCon in November? Probably not. I don't know. Then again, nobody knows if by next year, November, if we're allowed to go outside again. No. So. I mean, it's like the, the most cliched and overused sentence of this year, but like, you know, these are unprecedented times and the fuck do I know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is the same answer I often give when people ask me about brand management, the fuck do I know? Yeah. Um, But see, we just talked about Blizzard. That reminds me of something, Segway, Segway, what was it, Segwayage? Yes, Um, yesterday, one of my, of course, favorite, you know, idols in the games industry, Mike Morhaim, the uh, co-founder and later on ceo of blizzard announced his new venture uh, he has announced a new company called dreamhaven which if you go to the website you may be forgiven for thinking oh this looks just like blizzard stuff probably not a coincidence um and alongside like he's already announced two studios who are part of dreamhaven and there is a ton of of big uh, blizzard names and a lot of veterancy uh, i put together like some of the most noticeable ones uh, again, you know, if you if you're not a hardcore Blizzard fanboy, that might not mean uh, not mean as much to you. But like just seeing the reaction, of course, you know, from just being a fan and also from very briefly working there, I do have a a Twitter bubble of people who are very, um, you know, who have an affinity for Blizzard. And uh, seeing the reactions to that to that studio and like those names was, uh, it's definitely going to be one to keep an eye on. Give me because some names. Alongside, yes, uh, alongside Mike, there is um, Amy Morheim. Uh, who was and i always just like i have the last job uh, they held a blizzard like a ton of these people have been a blizzard for like 25 to 30 years or so but uh, amy morhaim was last vice president of esports uh, shane debiri who was chief of staff uh, there is for the first studio which is called moonshot uh, you have ben thompson who was last creative director for hearthstone you have dustin browder who was game director of starcraft 2 and heroes of the storm uh, Jason Jace, who was executive producer on Hearthstone, and then the second studio is Secret Door, with Alan DeBiri, who was last game director for Heroes of the Storm, uh, Chris Sigety, who was executive producer and EVP for StarCraft II and HOTS, and also later on for Hearthstone, and you have Eric Dots, who was, I think, the game director for the first seven years of Hearthstone. So, um, yeah, that is, I, I think, like, those names that's, like, between them, they probably have, like, a hundred years or so of, like, being in leadership roles at Blizzard. Holy shit! There, there we go. We have our Blizzard super band. Is anyone at Blizzard? It, is, it feels left? like a Well, Papa Jeff is left still. Hmm, true. Which, which you know, he's he's uh, uh, he's like somebody I absolutely loved. Like you know, I could I could listen for hours. I mean, there's people out there who can who can li look for hours at Jeff sitting in a chair drinking milk and eating cookies for Christmas. Yeah. But I could at least listen to for hours to Jeff talking. But yeah, that is that feels a little bit like a Blizzard super band, and it's definitely going to be very interesting. And I mean, the other thing is, of course, um, this is this is you know the the studio that was announced yesterday. There are already two other studios, and one of them, Bonfire Studios, is is very well keeping worth keeping an eye on as well. 
that was founded, I think, two years ago by Rob Pardo, who was chief creative officer and like EVP of, of game design or something at Blizzard, who also has like a lot of big ex Blizzard names on and like, uh, I think, got like 25 million in, in seed founding from Riot. So um, probably also want to keep an eye on. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. And what also what was, of course, very interesting, though, with regards to um, to Dreamhaven yesterday, that, you know, of course, Mike Morham is, is like a major name in PC gaming, uh, one of the biggest, I would say. So, of course, they got a lot of media attention, like they had uh, they had prepared two interviews with big American, uh, like mass market, you know, or general audience media. And they talked about like how they want Dreamhaven to be a company like that, that puts the creativity of the people first. And also very strongly implying that maybe that's not what how they feel Blizzard is like these days under Activision. And also they said somewhere that like all of these people had pretty much left Blizzard because like they didn't like working there anymore, not because they were laid off. So um, of course also some shots fired towards uh, current day Blizzard. Because as we've been hearing for a while now um, that Bobby has like significantly been, you know, um, uh, crunching down, like uh, keeping the money tight, like there's a lot less stuff happening, for example, in esports, unfortunately. And um, also that there's more pressure on them to get games out, which is, seems weird because, you know, at the same time that we just mentioned Overwatch 2, um, we've been hearing that like for now two years or so that like uh, Bobby has really been you know, putting pressure on the company to put out games and nothing has come out yet. Weird, right? Even with like a, a you know, I mean, like with Overwatch, you know, it's it's a shooter. It's, it's essentially it's adding a single player component to what is already a fantastic multiplayer shooter. And like even that has been in development for years and it's not out. So whatever is happening there, I would assume Bobby is not happy. But um, yeah, I think it's really going to be very interesting to see once these games like Overwatch 2, Diablo 4 are out. If you as a gamer will notice anything different or, you know, if, if, if all the pressure and all the... The changes that Activision is, impl- is you know, imposing, if that's just something that is being felt internally by the employees. To be honest, good for them. I think after a, a lifelong a game dev lifelong at Blizzard and with the recent changes or changes over the last couple of years with Bobby Kotick and his reign over the company, I think they are all probably hungry for doing something new. Every one of them is probably a very strong vision and creative idea of what they want to do. And I think this is... Um, it will be very exciting to see uh, what they bring on the table. Like, I like that move a lot. Definitely. And I mean, like, the fact that they already split up into two studios, essentially it feels like they got two ideas at least, yeah. like what they would like to do uh, as, as the next games or as the first games. Um, but yeah, you know, as, as I mentioned, like, there's a ton of experience there in the in the uh, with hearthstone like the card sector but also a ton of experience with with uh, real-time strategy and moba so it's going to be very interesting to see what they do and of course they will have you know already uh, among like the 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 target or like the 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 hardcore gamer audience they of course will already have the um the credibility of of you know their works uh, their years at blizzard so um yeah uh, i don't think anything else major happened last week did it Basti? Uh, let me think. Was there like anything noteworthy? Uh, bl- bl- I think there was this like, uh, well, it was more like of a of a weird like finance uh, economy news thing. No one really cares about like uh, Microsoft did something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He bought a couple of new le- leather jackets. Uh, something happened there. I don't know. Do you think we have still time to talk about that because it's rather dry and boring? 
Well, I, I know at least we do have at least one um, one uh, loyal, avid listener, Steve, who works in finance, so maybe he's interested in hearing financial news. I don't know. You know, you know ah, okay, let's do it. Have, let's like, do it. They have the weirdest interests these days. So what happened, Marcel? So what happened is that on Monday, so um, it was interesting. Like uh, some people who tend to know things told me Monday morning that something big was happening that day. And I, th and I thought to myself, okay, no, if, if they say it's something big and it's related to Microsoft, I was expecting, you know, at the biggest and that already seemed unrealistically big to me was like, okay, something like uh, Cyberpunk is going to come to Xbox Game Pass shortly after launch or something. You know, that, that seemed like the biggest yeah. possible thing I could imagine. And that already seemed too big, to be honest. You know, it felt like that that's that's too much. What really happened is that um, uh, in, in what is one of the biggest deals in the games industry, um, that Microsoft announced that they are acquiring or they have entered into an agreement to acquire ZeniMax Media, which is the parent company of Bethesda, for $7.5 billion, which is almost twice as much. I think uh, Disney paid roughly $4 billion for Lucasfilm and Star Wars. And I think Microsoft paid around $2 billion or so for Mojang and Minecraft. So it's a ginormous deal. Um, again, it's one of the biggest in gaming history. And uh, Microsoft gets a lot, a lot from that. They get... Uh, eight established, you know, well-working studios, uh, 2,300 new employees. Of course, IPs like The Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Doom, Quake, Wolfenstein, Dishonored, uh, The Evil Within, Rage, and... Prey. Uh, yeah. Let's do not prey. forget Prey. Prey. Indeed, Prey. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was like, I, I saw that and like, I... I I honestly, I exclaimed "Holy shit!" to myself. Like I loudly said "Holy shit!" in the in the room because I was like, "This is mind blowing to me." That actually happened to me and because I was sitting sitting at a barbecue, and then all of a sudden looked at my phone and yelled very loudly, "Holy shit!" And everyone was looking at me like, "What the fuck is going on?" But holy shit! And then, and then you tried to explain it. Everyone was like, "The fuck is he exactly?" And they were like, "What? What?" I think my sister was like, "What?" But she is was the only one. Is business? Hmm. Yeah. Is, are you talking about the nerd business, Bastian? Doing the barbecue, yeah? Yeah, but holy shit, holy shit, let me say it again, holy shit, that was quite something. Or as I as I like to say, um, sneaky Phil, right? Was sitting there, it's like, oh yeah, here's our, like, the surprise of our Xbox Series X, and we have the Series S, and we concentrate on, on, on Game Pass, and, and we actually don't see Sony as a real competition because we have a different model now, and subscriptions, and etc. And everyone was like, okay, that's it for the news. Uh, we wait for November now until the, the consoles drop, fair enough. Um, and then all of a sudden, he just flips the fucking table, throws it out the window, puts out a royal flush on the on the table or on the ground says like yeah, who 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 wants uh, to put his Rolex on the table now bitches we just got Bethesda and Zenimax uh, or the whole uh, Zenimax uh, conglomerate and that is a game changer I think that is a really really big game changer maybe not next year but with all the criticism in Microsoft especially from 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 Sony fans etc Microsoft all of a sudden became the biggest house for Western RPGs. Absolutely. Um, we talked about this already before where we said, you know, like funnily enough, as as late as like two weeks or so ago, I was telling friends, you know, that 
Microsoft is actually becoming a competitor to Bethesda because they got, you know, um, Obsidian obviously yeah. working out, which is like a Skyrim alike. They did the Outer Worlds. Um, they got an exile. They got fables. So like Microsoft was on its way to becoming one of the big players in Western RPGs. But now, of course, acquiring Bethesda, they have in one fell swoop become by far the biggest, uh, you know, uh, company when it comes to Western RPGs. And Sony will still uh, push out exclusive in great quality but i think in a couple of years from now the times are over that people say but xbox uh, microsoft has no no exclusive titles and to be honest with that huge ips and even so i think they said starfield will probably come come still for ps5 this is, i mean that really depends how how uh, microsoft wants to pull this off maybe they yeah i mean what, what they said is that they will honor existing uh, contracts yeah. which means that even though it's it's microsoft owned now that both Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo will initially be exclusive to PS5 because that you know those are deals that were made and I guess Microsoft didn't feel like buying them out. But and that future games will release on non-Microsoft platforms on a case-by-case basis. And I can honestly I can see two scenarios here. For me, one scenario could be that old school they say this is just exclusive now. Well, you know, if you want yeah. to play these games, buy a PC or buy an Xbox. Or I could see like them going the Minecraft route of saying, you know, we want as many people as possible to play our games and to make money. Um, so either you can buy this game for 80 euros on, on PlayStation, or you can play it with your Xbox Game Pass on, on our platforms. To be honest, I tend to that scenario. I think they will not going down the PlayStation route of old school or make um, it maybe like for one year or so exclusive yeah, yeah, yeah. but then it's like now nah, you know what playstation fans you can buy the games fine we're making money with that one um i think that will be super interesting but i believe they will come up with a like a progressive model because how i perceive microsoft games nowadays is not like a company with an old antique mindset of classic classic uh, console war and classic um a distribution mindset I think they will come come up with something new. While PlayStation is for me, Sony is for me the the company which just does the stuff they're good at, but also not deviating from that path in any shape or form. I think Microsoft won't won't go down that road, and that is interesting. That's interesting for for players and gamers out there. And to be honest, as much as I am a, a Xbox and Game Pass fan, I hope that they will do so because I actually don't want to see a future where the biggest some of the biggest uh, RPG or, uh, in general, gaming IPs are held hostage by one company. I think we're all winners if, if that stuff is available on as many platforms as possible. True. And especially considering that um, uh, Satya Nadella, so the, the uh, CEO of Microsoft, has already said himself, like this week, that uh, they are looking at more gaming acquisitions. It's also interesting, I saw this somewhere that... I think like out of the last 30 things Microsoft bought, companies or te technologies, so like 23 were related to gaming. Like you can really see that, you know, whereas in the past it always felt like uh, Xbox is, is fighting, you know, over some crumbs that like dropped from, from the from the big big boy Microsoft table. Like right now, really, Microsoft sees gaming as, as a key of its platform strategy and like, you know, getting people into the ecosystem. And of course, uh, you know, once Microsoft is, is willing, to spend money, they are absolutely happy to do that. Uh, also, to put this into perspective, because of course, you know, some people were were mind blown by the amount of money, and it is of course a huge amount of money. Um, the price is is a little bit less than Microsoft's revenue per month. Do you think? So I think Microsoft, like this year, or so like they 
the had like in the first quarter and second quarter, they had revenue of 30 billion in three months in a quarter. Do you think Sony right now feels pressure after that deal is public? Like they, 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 like I perceived them, especially in the last couple of years, always as like a very self-confident company. To be honest, uh, at times even arrogant, um, especially with the P3 era. Um, oh, yeah. But I think from that coming from that standpoint, on yes, we are to completely, utterly dominating the console market. I think some some people at Sony are now. I have no idea what the future will hold, and if we will keep that keep that that head start and keep that uh, success as it as it was before i don't know mm, it's it's hard uh, my, my personal and again like you know i'm as we mentioned before when we talked about anthem i'm personally very bad at making predictions um but to me it feels like i think at least for like the first part of this generation or so sony will still dominate yeah the first one because there is absolutely. still there's still a deaf like there's still a large audience of people out there you know who want that old school model who still want like those big triple uh, A single player games that Sony excels at? Where uh, where I'm not quite as sure as if if Sony if Sony is already now you know um, making the right decisions for a long term future, um, because yes, people uh, whether you like it or not, I think uh, it's clear from the market that like a lot of the future is going towards games as a service, games as a platform, subscription stuff like that, uh, which Sony so far hasn't really been doing. Or has not really been successful with. Again, like they are absolutely at the top of the industry when it comes to like these big uh, AAA single-player games, you know, like cinematic uh, action adventures. Nobody does it like Sony does. But again, like they are kind of limited in what they do. Like they they do these kind of games super well. They are hugely successful with Gran Turismo, but that's pretty much it for the most part, genre-wise. Um, so yeah, I think like definitely for the first couple of years, PlayStation 5 is still going to easily outsell Xbox. They're going to do well. Uh, the question is really how will Sony prepare for the eventual future that, yeah, I think they, they have to know is coming. Um, and like if if, the, if it wasn't clear to already that this future is coming, then I think after this, if this deal, it's much more obvious um, because yeah, you know, if they want to, um, Microsoft can suddenly decide that like many of the biggest franchises. And I mean, if you look... Uh, like Skyrim itself is one of the best-selling games ever. That is without including all the other Elder Scrolls stuff. That is without excluding a very successful MMO in Elder Scrolls Online stuff. Uh, they have Doom, of course, you know, as the granddaddy of shooters. They have Quake as the granddaddy of multiplayer gaming. Um, these are all franchises that, like Sony, uh, sorry, Microsoft can at a whim now at any moment say, you know what, it's exclusive now. So um, clearly, Sony will have to, you know, have to think about that. Um, the other question, of course, is that you've seen a lot of reactions from people who fear that this is going to lead to an arms race, um, not necessarily with Sony, but like that a move like this might might trigger other companies like Apple, like Google, uh, like Amazon or Tencent, even to say, you know, um, if if this if this if the stakes are at this level now, maybe we should also just quickly buy up some some publishers uh, before you know stuff goes down. I mean, what what I found very interesting, of course, for for personal reasons also, is that immediately following the Bethesda news, um, Ubisoft stock went up because seemingly a lot of analysts thought that Ubisoft would be an enticing target for somebody to buy. No. And yeah, I think like, you know, for, for a long time, many people probably thought, you know, like, like being like at this valuation, you know, you're reasonably safe, but like seeing Microsoft being willing to, again, drop seven, uh, almost twice of what, what Star Wars was worth to Disney, 
uh, for a gaming company and also at the same breath saying we're not done, we want to buy more gaming companies. I think there's probably going to be a lot of thinking in other boardrooms now for, for these big companies yeah. where they think, okay, if, if gaming or if entertainment is that important to Microsoft, you know, maybe we should also um, see if we can buy something up. I mean, remember there was a time when we were all afraid that Microsoft parent company would drop the uh, or cut down the Microsoft games division significantly because like, you know what, it's just peanuts. But now seeing that commitment, that's going to be exciting and interesting. But yeah, who knows? Like that might result in a landslide. That might result in a uh, that stuff like that, as you mentioned, with the stock market and people uh, doing panic buyouts and stuff could also um, have negative um, impact on the industry. Like nobody knows. It will be surely interesting. And I love how so many people still, but especially in the last couple of weeks, said, "Oh, this console uh, generation, that race, that uh, stuff is the most boring we have ever seen. It's so unexciting." It's like what the shit? Like to be honest. Especially that news with, with Zenimax Online that has the greatest implication. There's so much stuff which can happen in the following years. And all of a sudden, I think this is one of the most exciting console launches in the first maybe one or two years of a new console cycle we have ever seen in the industry. I said it. I don't know about that because I'm again like I'm not a big fan of saying like something is the most ever because then somebody always points out where I was wrong. But like it's yeah, I, I can I can definitely not agree with anybody saying like stuff is boring these days. Because uh, yeah, uh, shit is crazy, and I wonder, you know, like for for a while, like we people always made fun of, like when Microsoft shows, like you know, the the characters, it's always Master Chief, it's either Marcus Phoenix or Kate Diaz, like so somebody from Gears, and it's the Forza car. Uh, I mean, it's there's gonna be Pip Boy in the future, right? Like whenever they show like their their gaming mascot lineup, there's gonna be Pip Boy from now on, right? Yeah, gotta be. At least I, I cannot think of any you know, like uh, any any reason not to put it on there because like that guy has to become so iconic even you know with non gamers like even with tough stuff like tabletop gaming and etc merchandising, um yeah I think Pip Boy is going to be featured prominently going forward and maybe you know even even the Dragonborn like uh, un until they have something else to show for Elder Scrolls I think again uh, I don't know where they are these days I think Skyrim has sold past 30 million copies by now. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the Dragonborn may also show up occasionally. Do you think Phil Spencer will... will the, the next time we see Phil Spencer in an interview, in a video cast or on stage or wherever, he will wear one of Todd's uh, leather jackets? He will wear Todd. Probably. He will wear Todd's skin. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, for us, Bussy, this is great news. You know, your favorite thing that you keep talking about every fucking episode, Xbox Game Pass... Is finally combined with the thing I keep talking about every episode, which is Todd Howard. It's like, you know, the stars aligned for us here. This podcast all of a sudden ascended to the heavens. Now, the only, the only, thing, we need, the only thing we need so Richard doesn't feel left out is if Microsoft, like, you know, for, for like $3, acquires a slice of super greasy, disgusting New York pizza. Or they could acquire us. Think about it. Honestly, you know, uh, w whether whether it's it's you know uh, uh, Google or Amazon or Microsoft or or uh, Tencent, even like I you know I'm very reasonably priced, I have to say. To be honest, like Microsoft, or Phil, if you're listening, like you can get us for probably like uh, 50k or something. Let's say 100k. To be honest, for you, it's lunch money. So it probably actually is, yeah. But yeah, like I you know, I if if anybody if anybody any corporate overlords wants wants us to sell out, we are you know just just write us an email. We're we're very happy to be, to be sellouts. I mean, we've tried in the past to sell out Busty when he wasn't here. Hmm. It seems like it was not very successful though. Should should that? 
actually, yeah, Give like me Richard something tried to think sell, about or Richard tried to sell you out. Now Richard's gone and you're here. So like he really fucked huh. up that deal. Huh. Like he really should have like you know, I mean that the contract wasn't wasn't Chinese, but he should really have like properly translated that because now he's somewhere in China and you're here. Hmm. Maybe always, well deserved. Always write your name on the correct dotted line. Is all I'm saying. Well deserved. Um, yeah. Um. What? What? Just. What is? What is your prediction? Like your top three companies that you're expecting, or like that that you could see Microsoft acquiring. And again, like in the past, like this this seemed like kind of reasonable, but now with Bethesda, like it seems everything's possible almost. So, take your crazy guesses, Buster. Ooh, that's that's actually not that easy. To be honest, I don't see that they buy like a super super big company in the future. Like to be honest, Ubisoft is I think way too big for that. Like, do you really want to like buy a conglomerate with over like sixteen thousand employees? Same for EA and Activision and Two K. I think these ones are safe. So, so to be honest, what is left? Um, you have stuff like uh, the 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 bigger things like Nordic or something. I'm not sure about this one. It's too too much of a mixed bag. I would love to see something like Paradox. Yeah, I could see Paradox. Could be, Paradox could be an interesting company. Um, obviously on PC side as well, where we we've seen Microsoft do more. I mean, Crusader Kings three has been day one on Game Pass, yeah. which is very interesting. Yeah, my my top pick would be would be I think also like uh, given the lineup um, of games, um, that would be a perfect fit to 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 mix that up a little bit. And I would love them to see, even though they are very focused on Western games, um, I would see uh, something like Grasshopper, like some weird ass Japanese uh, game dev studio which is beloved by fans. Buy buy a Japanese game studio, Microsoft, Phil, make it happen. Interesting. I think for that one, like a lot of people would have said Platinum. I mean, but then again, there is of course still the specter of Scalebound looming large. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think like they they might have not not, not like uh, separated ways in good terms. Also, I love I absolutely love Platinum games. That would be a big deal, especially with with uh, because of uh, IPs like Nier. But I don't know. I but want is that, little... is that a Square IP? I, don't, I actually don't I think, think that Platinum has many IP, does it? Or many IPs is that it owns. that actually owned by Square? By I would IP? have assumed so. Interesting. We need to find out. Because um, wasn't the first one made by, like, wasn't, oh, gosh. Oh, no, like, what, what were they called? Drakengard were they called before yeah. the first game? I don't know. Yeah, it's a Drakengard series, yeah. Actually, three games. Three games? Fuck it, three day games. Oh, I miss Richard. He would, he would know all the trivia. But no, to be honest, I want a weird ass, like... I love Platinum, but I want I love Yokotaro, but I want like I want the 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 Suda Fifty One. I want like that Microsoft acquires one studio, which is just super weird to the bones. Mm. I mean, uh, weirder than uh, oh, what are the guys who did We Happy Few? It starts with a C. What are the guys who, who called who did We Happy Few? Let me check. Sorry for hearing my keyboards. Ah, compulsion games. See, I knew it starts with a C. Like those guys are weird to me. Or at least we happy few seems very weird. But yes, maybe not as weird as Grasshopper. But then again, few people are as weird as Suda, right? Mm. I mean, the only other guy, like talking of near, what's that guy's name? Uh, Toro. Uh, Yokotaro. Uh, Yokotaro. That guy is very weird indeed. Yeah. Maybe too weird for something like Microsoft. Um. Yeah. I I think like Asobo still seems like a likely candidate to me. Um. Obviously, Plague Tale has been super well received. 
seems like a kind of game that would really excel in Game Pass as well. And of course, like they, they're doing a Flight Simulator, which has been super well received. Um, so those seem like a natural um, natural fit. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. Again, like Microsoft has said, they are still looking to buy. Uh, we've seen people like uh, Tom Warren as a journalist say that they don't think it's going to be years before Microsoft buys, you know, more like a case of months or so. Um, and like certain of these rumors have been going on for a long while. The interesting thing is like there's been rumors about Microsoft buying studios for a long time now, but like nobody has ever talked about Bethesda. Like that really like seems, you know, for for a deal of this magnitude, they, they managed to keep that under the you know under the table, which is very surprising to mm. me. So um, well done, Todd Ninja, Todd Ninjas. No, I think he does it himself. Um, and that's all I have to say, Basti. I mean, ending on the highest note, probably. I mean. Talking about Todd. Uh, the the deal. The uh, was oh, okay. talking about not 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 like. That's all right. We will as a, yeah, as you, have said, res- you have to respect Todd now. He was bo- he was bought by Xbox Game Pass. Yeah. He is your Lord and Savior now as well. We have also the the best excuse in future to talk about uh, Todd and Phil, even more than before. And there will be probably way more news about Todd and Phil in the f- near future. So. It was actually for anybody who is interested. Um, there was a lengthy interview yesterday by Major Nelson, where he had uh, Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, uh, Todd Howard, gaming legend, and Pete Hines, who I don't know what his job title is. I think executive president of marketing and communications or something at Bethesda. Uh, interviewed him at great length about the deal, and there were like some super interesting tidbits in there. Like one of them, for example, being where Todd Howard revealed that uh, to get Morrowind running on Xbox. Um, there, w- there was a trick for developers where you could like reset the Xbox in the background. So like they, they covered it with very long loading times and people just thought the game is loading. But actually what they started in back, what they did in the background, they restarted your Xbox uh, to, you know, to, to uh, flush out the RAM and stuff like that. So there's some very, very interesting bits in there about, oh, about I miss previous that. Games, I need to catch, previous up, stuff. catch up on that one. So yeah, um, do you want to make any last prediction about what we're going to talk about next week? Because it feels like you know, at, at right now, anything is possible topic and news-wise, right? The question is, will will have Sony one more? Like, is there that that was pretty much the one more thing from from Xbox and, and what, now? And what a thing it was! And what a thing it was! So, what will it be? Maybe Sony will turn around and amaze all of us in Awe when they announce the biggest game ever which will define that generation Vagrant Story Remake I I would settle for Uncharted 5 personally or anything Uncharted Vagrant Story I think you're the only person who ever played that to be fair just this week, they announced two action figures uh, from from the from the Bring Art series. So maybe who knows, you know, if they're gonna do anything again. Like you know, if, if, this week it feels like anything is possible in the gaming space. So I'm just holding out, you know, fingers crossed for Microsoft Three, and then we'll all be delivered. Will somebody will descend in rapture and deliver Microsoft Three to me? Vagrant. Or we're just gonna all die from COVID. One of those. So we should make like... a, we should make a dedicated episode just about Vagrant Story, but we need Richard back for that. Maybe we try to sell say, you like, and get Richard gonna, back. Maybe it's gonna be a boring episode if you're the only one who can talk about the thing. But I can I can ask a lot of questions. Like I can ask a lot of like very topical, sensible, spot-on questions about Vagrant Story. If you mm-hmm. want to, we can
confirm the fact that this game really exists it's not just something that you made up um how could they reach you to you know support your your thesis at bastian tun t-h-u-n bastian like sebastian without the s-e on twitter wow that's a new one you've never said that before like it took you 50 60 episodes to to tell people that it's like sebastian minus s-e I've, I've like i'm really struggling to 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 change and progress in anything like i'm rather slow with that one so like an old 90s PC game developer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MTV rules. <laughs> uh, man, I loved MTV when they still have music. Um, of course, you can also always talk to us, and this is my favorite part of every episode, at Plungecast on Twitter. Plungecast. P-Lunchcast. Plungecast. Please talk to us. We love saying Plungecast. Uh, as always, you can, of course, also talk to me at com underscore raven. I'm delighted to talk about Todd games industry news and most other things that will not get me to trouble with my PR manager. And you can also send us an email if you want to buy us out. We're, so that we're super happy to sell out to most companies, I would say. Maybe there's some limits somewhere, but like most we have standards. would be happy. Low standards, low but standards. we have standards. We have standards, but very, very low standards. Unbelievably low. Uh, you can send us an email to projectorlunchcast at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can also uh, subscribe to our podcast on a variety. Like, there's so many platforms, I can't even get them all straight anymore. There is Apple Podcasts. There's Google Podcasts. There should be, I think, now Amazon Podcasts, uh, Podbean, and a ton of other stuff that's all on the website. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to talking to you again for the entertainment of strangers next week, Basti. Bye-bye. Au revoir, Michel Ossel. And before we forget, happy birthday, Florian.